Oh, Josh Barber, are you here? Yes, Josh Barber's going to come. Um, in the inside of your outline, it has the Bible reading there uh, from Luke chapter 17. Yeah, so we're going from Luke chapter 17, uh, starting in verse 11 uh, of the inside of the book. Here we go. Uh, on the way to Jerusalem, he being Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, What are ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has saved you. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God will come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to, his, to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the day of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop who is good in the house not come down to take it away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken, and the other left. And I said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpses, there the vultures will gather. Welcome to the Bible Talks from me. Thanks for welcoming us in this gallery. If you're new amongst us, great to have you along. Hope you enjoy your time with us and do come again. My name is Rob and I have the great privilege every week of opening God's Word to us. Uh, Luke is the name of the book Bible that we're in and we've been working through that for some time. At ECU we hold that the Bible is God's Word to us uh, for our reading and understanding and so, as I begin, I'm going to ask God to help us understand his word. And you can say amen if you want to at the end of that. That's right. Well, thanks for your word. Thanks that you've given it to us to understand 
uh, what you want us to know about your world. Help us to hear what you have to say today and help us to respond rightly. In Jesus' name. In 2015, most recent calculations, it was calculated that there were 63.912 million displaced persons in the world in 2015. Roughly three times the population of Australia. It's the largest population of displaced people that's ever been. It's one of the greatest injustices of our era. Mm-hmm. that 63 million people don't have a home because they had to flee their home. Some are internally displaced, some are refugees, some are asylum seekers. Um, we, uh, in our part of the world, sometimes we compound the injustice when we merely turn a blind eye and give it no thought. But when we do turn our minds to it and our thoughts to it, if you're anything like me, overwhelmed by the possibility of what can we do about such an injustice. Uh, not that we shouldn't try, uh, it's immensely important to be thinking about how we can do that individually and coordinate efforts. And some of you know of even Wollongong efforts to to look after asylum seekers and people who have been displaced. But nonetheless, it's a huge thing that we can't accomplish on our own. We can merely make a dent in, and we should make a dent in. Yet, when our efforts seem to do so little, it seems that we're just left as followers of Jesus, if that's what you are, is to pray. Pray to God, your kingdom come. God, there is no way in the world we can solve the injustices of this world. Please bring your kingdom. Now, at the time of Jesus, people were well aware of injustices of their time. That is, being displaced from their land, the people of Israel, being oppressed within their land by Roman overlords and other nations fighting with other nations and using Israel as the battleground and then being caught up in that. They are very well aware of the injustices of this world and were looking for God's kingdom to come. And so, like everybody at that time, the Pharisees were looking forward to the kingdom They were trying to calculate when this prophesied kingdom would come. And so these Pharisees come to Jesus with their question. When will the kingdom come? Now, sorry, we're not actually going to look at the first part of that reading with the lepers that came to Jesus. We're going to jump straight down to verse 20. They come to Jesus saying, when will the kingdom come? Pharisees asked Jesus for his calculations. They recognise he's somebody who thinks he's something, and so they say, what do you do? What's your take? What's your opinion? I guess it's probably that day's equivalent of 
uh, writing a blog uh, or having uh, a feed, having a, a, a Facebook feed where uh, what, do you, what, what have you posted Jesus about this matter? What do you think? And Jesus says to them in verse 20, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is. Or then, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Okay. Well, is that really true? The kingdom of God is not coming with signs. If you were to look on ahead, a couple of chapters, Jesus will say the words in chapter 21 to his disciples, and there will be signs in sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth distress, and then they will see the sun of man coming. Jesus says, there will be signs, but you're saying, there won't be signs. <laughs> you can't calculate the kingdom from signs. Why? He gives the reason here. He says, because the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Well, the kingdom of God is within your grasp, is the other thing. Now, how is there a reason for why there won't be signs? How was the logic there? Well, Jesus, I think, here is saying, the kingdom is in the midst of you because the king of the kingdom is staring you in the face. The king of the kingdom is me, says Jesus, in your midst, among you, and you can't see it. And so, therefore, obviously, the kingdom doesn't come by careful observations. You guys are thinking that you're searching to try and find the kingdom. The king's standing in front of you. You can't see him. Well, it's obviously not coming through careful observation when the king is standing among you. And as we've seen, if you've been with us in Luke's gospel, the kingdom is easily missed. You can be staring the king in the face and you can't see. So Jesus, as he does on all of these occasions when he's confronted with the Pharisees, he then uses the topic that comes up to teach his disciples, which is what he does here, and that's the rest of most of what he teaches them. And so, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, verse 22, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. Okay. What I want you to do in your, in your table there is have a look at this question. What does Jesus mean in verse 24? Have a go at it uh, and see what, you can, uh, see what you can come up with.
And I'm sorry that if over these next minutes uh, your brain hurts as a result. Uh, these verses have hurt my brain too, and I'm all the better for it, I think. So, first of all, verse 22, Jesus says to his disciples, his precious disciples that he loves, he says, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you won't see. You'll desire to see one of these unmistakable days, but you won't see it. Now, this is the first brain-straining thing to grasp. Jesus' words there suggest that the Son of Man has more than one day. Did you notice that? One, more than one of these unmistakable revealing occasions, because in days to come, the disciples will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. One in particular days. Well, that's interesting. There's more than one. Um, so, let me ask you the question. What different occasions do you know of? If you don't know or you just don't know. What different occasions do you know of when the Son of Man was unmistakably revealed to be the King, the glorious King of God's kingdom? But I'll give you a moment in your tables to think about that. Uh, 
certainly the last day when the Son of Man returns on that day, he will be unmistakably seen. Also, the transfiguration, where on the mountain with just three people watching on, uh, and also Moses and Elijah, Jesus is transfigured into his glorious kingly likeness. Uh, that's sort of a glimpse that he gives Peter, James and John into the, the future. And he's seen who he is. Maybe there are other ones. Maybe it's his baptism. Maybe, I don't think what Jesus is saying here is that you need to go searching through the Bible or you need to go searching even through Scripture to go and find all these hidden days of the Son of Man. They're not really hidden, they're visible. I think there are there's a number of, a small number of distinct days that show that Jesus is the unmistakable King, or unmistakably show that Jesus is the King. They're similar days, but distinct events. Having understood that there are a number of them, that's right, what are you meant to see on those days? Well, you're meant to see that Jesus is the King. You're meant to see that he is uh, unmistakably the King. And I think, and we can't really see it until a few chapters time, we get to see that Jesus is the king, but these days point to when Jesus will be the king who will return finally and fully to bring justice and judgment to the world, where he will, as the king, put things right. That's what the Pharisees are longing for. That's what the disciples are longing to see that's what we are longing to see I hope in our world justice come and we're meant to these these days and these revealings are meant to push us towards keep pushing us towards that day and there will be a day when judgment is brought upon the perpetrators of evil be aware of that don't forget that the pedophile the misogynist will be judged. The greed, the self-centered liars will be judged. That day will come. But as we've seen in Luke's Gospel, for the repentant sinner, for the repentant pedophile, the repentant misogynist, the repentant greedy person, the repentant, self-centered liar who trusts in Jesus and throws himself at his feet and says forgive me as we would have seen in, throughout Luke's gospel where the, the repentant sinner comes to Jesus humbly for forgiveness. That day will not bring judgment but salvation seeing the king face to face without all of the rubbish of this world. That's what we're meant to be looking towards. The disciples, Jesus says, are going to long for that day. And I hope you are longing for that day too. That one particular day of the Son of Man. But here Jesus says, you won't see through his disciples. You won't see. And so, back to Jesus' particular teaching about these 
days here, um, he has one particular thing that he wants to teach these disciples here at this time. And Jesus says it's about the days. Verse 26. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Now, hold on to your brain here. This is going to seem a little bit contradictory, but it's just basic comprehension. Uh, I hope you can grasp it. These days of the Son of Man that he now speaks about is not the same as the individual days of the Son of Man, but rather an extended period of time. Uh, and it's, you can see that because it's parallel with the days of Noah. Just the time when Noah lived. And it's parallel with the days of Lot. The period of time when Lot lived. And these periods of longer periods of time are going to be followed by one day. One day when judgment comes. When a momentous end comes. So, verse 26. Let's see. Okay. Uh, just as it was in the days of Noah, lengthy period, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man, lengthy period. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came upon and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, lengthy time, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So it's, hopefully you can see, just from the comprehension, that there is a period of time which you call the, the days of the Son of Man. And at the end of those days, Jesus says, there will be one of these particular days of the Son of Man that the disciples are longing for but may not see. And so he tells the stories of Noah and Sodom. Now you may not know the story of, uh, of Lot in Sodom. Uh, you may have heard of Noah and Lot. Uh, but Lot lived in the city of Sodom. He loved Sodom uh, it was a comfortable place to be. It doesn't sound like much to us. We sort of associate Sodom with, you know, it's very awful and what pretty awful, but it was actually a very, very comfortable place to be. And Lot was very attached to Sodom. But it was a city that God had marked out for judgment because, as Genesis tells us, people were crying out to God for justice. The sin of that city was great. And God destroyed all the city, but saved Lot and his wife. The angels that were sent to destroy the city actually physically dragged Lot out of the city. He didn't want to go, though he knew that it was about to be torched. He didn't want to go. They dragged him out and he was saved. See, these normal days of Lot were followed by this single day of sharp, decisive revelation of God's judgment. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Okay. 
now Jesus tells his disciples or brings that truth to home for his disciples. What I think Jesus is doing here in setting up this um, picture of these days followed by the day is he's about to warn his disciples. I think chiefly he's warning them about what is about to happen, what is about to come. It's going to be a day of loss and destruction for everyone. The people of Noah's day lost everything, including their lives in the flood. Noah lost everything, except for his life and the life of his family. The people of Lot's day in Sodom lost everything, Notice it was all their buying and their selling, their building, their planting was gone, including their lives. But lost and Lot lost everything, but his life was saved. Except verse thirty-two, Jesus says, "Remember Lot's wife." That's his instruction to the disciples. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will keep it. Lot's wife, as they were escaping the city, looked back and was turned into a pillar of salt. She lost her life. It was more than just a matter of her looking back to have a glimpse of all the action, but it was her wanting to go back to Sodom and everything that there was in Sodom. The, her whole way of life that was there in sort of the buying, the selling, the planting, the building, all that stuff that she put all her energy into, that a lot of goodies that people had built up. Back in Noah's day, the, the, the marrying and being given in marriage, all of that done away with. She wanted to hold on to that life and preserve that life, that whole way of life. And was lost. And she was lost with it because she looked back. Disciples be warned. The disciple who seeks to preserve their life, their whole way of life, will lose it. But lose your life, lose your grip on all this stuff, lose your way of doing life, and you'll save your life. Jesus is preparing his disciples here to run. And I think in this instance, he means it literally. To run, to actually escape, physically escape. I think that's what he's doing here. I'm going to let you evaluate this, but uh, I think Jesus is talking about a particular time that's going to affect the disciples very soon. Now, this passage has for on and off over thousands of years been understood to be all about Jesus' return, I don't have it there, at the end of days, that Son of Man event. Yeah, I, just to let you know, I think that event is definitely going to happen. I solidly believe it 100%. But I don't think Jesus is talking about that last day event here. I think he's talking about another of the days of the Son of Man, one of those one-off days where he's particularly warning his disciples 
that when the Son of Man is revealed on this particular day, you need to run. You need to, well, what does he say there? On that day, verse 31, we'll pick it up on verse 30. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who's on the house stop with his goods in the house not come down and take them away. And likewise, let the one who's in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. There will be this decisive day that's going to be trouble for the disciples. If it was Jesus talking about that final day when he returns, it doesn't really quite make sense that he would instruct his disciples to run. On that last day when Jesus is revealed, where did he run when the Son of Man comes to bring history to an end? Where do you run when you run down off your house stop? don't go back inside your house, you run on somewhere else. Where do you go? And is Jesus really talking about that? One will be taken and the other left behind. Uh, so the, the, the Christians are taken, but others are left behind and hell and they around for and, and all of that. You know, and, and where do you, you know maybe that maybe the son of man has a like a tractor beam somewhere. And you have to run to a sort of a gathering point where that tractor beam will pick you up. You know, and you are taken, but others are left behind. So make sure you run to get there. It doesn't quite fit with what we know elsewhere about that final day. I think the image of being taken away is actually the idea of being kidnapped, of being stolen, of actually being dragged off unawares. And Jesus is warning because persecution is coming and you need to run and the unsuspecting ones of you, disciples, going about your daily lives will be taken away. Now, there is one account of the Son of Man, one of these days of the Son of Man, that Luke writes about in his other work in Acts. And I wonder whether Jesus here is preparing his disciples for that day in particular. And I think it has implications for us, but in particular it has implications for them back then. In Acts got passage there. In Acts chapter seven, Stephen, who's one of the followers of Jesus, has been testifying to the council of the Jewish leaders about Jesus. Long, long account that he'd been testifying over that whole chapter. And he, at the end of this long and powerful testimony, Luke writes this. Now when the council that Stephen speaking to, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into the heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. 
And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Right, great way to end that awful account, isn't it? Those who got scattered took the gospel with them. They weren't put off. Well, they weren't put off, but they took the gospel. The disciples are being warned by Jesus that a day is coming and you need to run. You need to be ready to go. Obviously, Jesus has other things for them than just running. He wants them to take the gospel to those other nations where they go to. And he's preparing his disciples for that day. Now remember the disciples are not just the twelve who they stay behind, but the whole group who follow Jesus. Yeah. I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. This might be a complete and total change for you. Have you read this passage before? It certainly is for me. Uh, so maybe just take some thinking through. I'm very happy to be proven wrong. Maybe it is something else like the resurrection and uh, some of the persecutions that come after that. Or maybe you need to chew hard on Jesus' words and not just go with your preconceived thoughts. But Jesus is warning his disciples. And I think for us, here, Jesus has set up a pattern, a way of thinking about being disciples in the kingdom. Because in view of this day of the Son of Man... There's a pattern of living that no follower can ignore anymore. Verse 32, remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. <coughs> like Lot's wife, you seek to preserve your way of life now, you will lose it. Uh, the buying and selling, the, the getting married, the being given in marriage, the building, the planting, all the normal stuff of life, which is great. The, the, the study, the, the exams, the resitting exams, uh, <laughs> getting a job and losing a job, getting another job, building a career, except for that one, uh, all good things. But Jesus says, those who seek to preserve that way of life, where you're building up your life, and building your career, your trajectory of life, and it's all mapped out to where you'll need to go and what you need to do to accomplish your life. Hold on to that, you'll lose your life. But lose all that, sit lightly to that. I've got to study, I've got to do exams. Oh, sure, I'll study and do exams. Oh, I'll get my degree and get a job. That's good. Sit lightly to it. Because you're required elsewhere to serve the king, not serve what you're building up. Seek to preserve that, you'll lose it because it won't last, 
and you may lose your life as well. Give it up, and we'll gain life. The king is coming, and we will be revealed. With all due respect to the to those who are actually facing physical displacement as displaced people at the moment, disciples of Jesus need to be like displaced people, ready to run at any moment and not be worried and sit lightly to the things that we leave behind because we run to a better place. Sit lightly to the things of this world. Don't pursue them. And make Jesus a king of those things. King's coming will be revealed in a way that no one can miss. And I pray that we see him clearly as we can. Lord, thanks for your word to us. The challenge that Jesus gives to his disciples, the warning that he gives to them. Help us to take heed of that warning. To not seek to preserve our way of life, but to give that up so that we might have true life. Help us to learn how to sit lightly to the things that this world treasures, and to treasure the kingdom. You've got questions you want to. Use these little feedback cards for questions uh, and put them in the box or catch me answers.